Hello everyone and welcome to Fireside Friends. This is episode 45. I'm Ryan Persaud and with me are my co-hosts, Alan Ibrahim. Hello! Alan says hello. <laughs> Don't tell the listeners, but I say hello. Oh, you Whoa. already did. Hey, how's yeah. it going? It's going, it's going. Uh, and Katie Marie is here. Also. Howdy! It's me! It's her, Katie. Back from the dead. Yes. I say howdy. God, we can't. She. We cannot. We cannot. It's expensive to bring Katie back from the dead every month. I know. <laughs> the, the the tax on resurrection is a lot these days. It depends Even on what state you're in. New administration. What, what, yeah, when Obama was in office, we would be able to do this podcast a lot easier. But now, every time the tax went up on resurrection, so Aaron Sorkin. And like you know. It's like hourly, so you know we. Don't, that's why we made it once a month because we got to pay hourly rates <laughs> to keep Katie alive. <laughs> to keep Katie alive, Jesus. long enough to record the podcast and to watch the movies. So it ends up being like three yeah. hours. Exactly. I don't know. I assume you can do that from the coffin. <laughs> I don't do they know. have Netflix in? in you gotta, you gotta tablet in there, probably. Probably. Anyway. <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> it's going great. Um, there's going to be a uh, throwback segment one as we didn't really have time to prep a theme for the first segment. So we're going to do a classic Fireside Friends and kind of just shoot the shit, talk about stuff that we've enjoyed in the past month or so um, and talk about life and stuff. How does that sound? Does that sound cool to the rest of the crew? It does sound cool. Yeah, I mean, we could we could have done like a segment on crimes or like gang violence, but uh, <laughs> I'm not could, equipped. Could could we have though? Could we with there the prep ex- time that we have? No, definitely <laughs> not with the time that we have. No, that's true. No. Um, so we're gonna have a good time. So we're gonna have a good time instead of a bad time. Good. Alan. What how, what's what are you up to? What are you up to these days? You're watching the newsroom. You're almost you're almost done with the newsroom. Actually, I was on your podcast. You were. People should <laughs> check that out. That episode's coming out um, before this one, I think. This is um, coming. This is gonna come. This is gonna go up a week after this for recording this. So no, we can't even make any 420 jokes. Oh no! We can't leave out cookies for Snoop Dogg. Nope. <laughs> no, but we all we recorded on 420 last year. Isn't that what it was? I have no idea. I'm not I just sure. Remember I think co- it was. Cookies for Snoop Dogg is the best Fireside Friends I didn't, episode title. I didn't look up when that episode actually came out. Okay. So maybe that joke didn't even make sense then. I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, we're getting dank here on... Why didn't on they come up with a joke like dank on Ropa? Oh, my God. <laughs> I was going to make a joke. Before. We're, re- we're referencing like five different things at the same time. Okay, I'm sorry. That's true. Okay, we we just referenced Alex's newsroom podcast, yep. and now we're referencing the novel not new episode where they talk about Danganronpa. There you go. Thank you for the, the listener sidebar. Uh, <laughs> lovely. So, Inside. other than finishing the newsroom and stressing about what we're gonna watch next, which we haven't decided on, uh, I have been watching. I'm almost. I'm like five episodes from finishing Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. How is that's that? Cool. Uh, it's an anime. It's very good. I have been watching it on and off since I graduated. So, and actually, like since we started this podcast, so about two years. Um, and I stopped for a long time because I just I don't know got a job and things got really busy. 
Uh, and I picked it back up again. I'm, I was like a little more than halfway through. Um, for those who don't know, Brotherhood is a like second anime based on the, the Fullmetal Alchemist manga. Because the first one was airing while the manga was still coming out. So it had a lot of filler. And it was like really long. And the animation wasn't always good. Uh, and Brotherhood came out once the entire manga was done. And they basically just did a straight up direct adaptation of the manga. So it's widely considered like the best way to experience that story other than reading it. Um, it's really beautiful. It has one of the best dubs uh, that I've heard in a while. Uh, I'm actually watching entirely dubbed, which is uncommon for me. Because uh, all the English voices are really, really good and, and get across a lot of the high emotion of it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, do you know what it's about? I yes. know that there's a kid with long blonde hair and okay. his rope, his metal friend. That's his, all, that's his brother. All, that's his that's brother. All, all I know about Full Metal is his brother. How did his brother get like that? They uh, An accident. A horrific yeah, okay. accident. After okay. a horrific accident, he tries to use... In this universe, they have this idea of alchemy, which is where you can make something, but it costs something to make something. Um, equivalent exchange the law of equivalent exchange which is like an important thing in the show because he's like oh i'll bring my brother back and i'll you know sacrifice a part of myself the experiment goes horribly wrong he loses his arm his brother ends up coming back to life um cursed to to be entrapped inside of a suit of armor um and they end up joining the alchemist guild which are like cool magic cops i kind of describe them as and Mm -hmm. it's all like anime fascism we, I was talking about this with somebody recently. There's this, like, weird trend in anime, uh, of, like, sort of modern anime of young kids living under and, like, working with fascism and fascist governments. Hmm. Um, like, their leader in this in this universe is straight up called a Fuhrer. And they talk about, like, okay. we need to replace the Fuhrer with a better Fuhrer. And it's like, why? They don't talk about replacing the system with a better one. They just exist in this <laughs> weird government system that they never question at all. And it's something I find really questionable about the show is that they don't seem to acknowledge that their world and their government structure is weird and, like, directly counter to what they want out of life, which is, like, just to be able to, like, live and be happy and comfortable in their little countryside home. Mm -hmm. Because they introduce all of these different um, members of the the Alchemist Guild, like, all these different cops, basically. Um, And they're all likable for different reasons, and they're fighting these homunculi, which are, like the children of the main bad guy who all represent different uh, seven deadly sins. So like sloth, greed, envy, lust, uh, wrath, and the other ones that I can't remember. Pride. Um, Pride. Thank you. Uh, And what ends up happening is like all of the humans just end up being like heroic, cool, nice anime characters who are like, we're going to, we're going to fight off the bad guys and like fight for what's right and noble sacrifice, all that jazz. And then the homunculi are these, like, flawed children. They're not all... None of them are, like, literally children, but um, they all uh, have, like, critical flaws related sort of to their their namesake. Um, and I, I found them really interesting, uh, which is why the back half of the show is kind of a bummer for me because it's just them losing over and over again. And, oh, man, now the bad guys are losing. This is no fun. <laughs> so it, it, it's this weird dichotomy where it's, like, clearly a shonen, clearly a show, like... This is a show where the boy is going to get more powerful and do better over time and conquer evil. But the evil is like really well fleshed out and good and I want them to do well. So I find myself torn liking it sometimes. Right. 
Yep, that's definitely a thing with media where a lot of good guys or what you what the narrative thinks are the good guys are usually just cops a lot of the times it's a weird thing to sort of uh come to terms with as someone who likes i don't know like twin peaks or stuff like that where it's like okay everybody's a cop they're just cop they're able to they're able to have weird abstract adventures because they're cops it's weird um yeah I don't know, that's one of those things as the way people tell stories is to give characters privileges because otherwise you wouldn't be able to, unless your story is about living as a citizen that ha- doesn't have a lot of power, often stories, uh, you know, assert power by making the character a cop and using that as an excuse to... Uh, surface with that you know tell a story through that character within that world and i don't know i feel like shows should shows and like other media should try to work away from that framing because uh you know gradually we people learn that cops are good because they're all they're the good characters in in media um and i feel like we should try to move away from that a little bit but yeah it probably won't happen because we live in our society. So, yeah, it, it it ends up the show ends up showing its age in that way because they keep trying to introduce more different cops from different countries and be like, look how interesting they all are, and they all have, like different voices and personalities, and the yep. the villains are just the same. And it's like I know who the show wants me to root for, but I refuse. <laughs> it's just <laughs> too much fun. Like I, I'm over here crying because of like the sad ways that they kill the bad guys or they kill the seven deadly sins and it's like oh, stop making me root for the cops i don't want to root for the cops ever right that's how you get diva cop is what happened that's, that's, that's how you get diva happens. cop it's how you get persona 5 cop it's persona, yeah i wasn't yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry to get a little discourse <laughs> <laughs> one persona thing i do grata. think is like super interesting is that the creator of full metal alchemist is a woman Really? Yep. So it's really interesting because she, you know, created this shonen manga in like a male dominated industry. And a lot of people consider it one of the better ones just because of like how the characters are made and come together. Mm -hmm. And I think it's awesome that she has like such a successful franchise, I guess, in an industry that doesn't really have many people like her so right it it kind of makes sense because all of the women on the show um there aren't like there isn't a lot there it's there isn't like sex isn't really brought up on it like lust is literally a a character um but her sexuality isn't like the thing there isn't like people flirting with each other and being there is romance and love but like all the women are just on equal footing as generals or members of the army um mm. unfortunately it does also paint this weird picture of like under fascism gender doesn't matter anymore we're finally all equal because we we, right. we are ruled by a king <laughs> it's like oh if that's the world that we have if that's what it takes to get there then i don't want to get there in that in that way at least yeah right. um but again i have like six episodes left of it so i'm really curious if they ever address the problems with the system that they live under but i kind of doubt it because it just seems like they're going to beat the bad guy and then go home happy 
Mm-hmm. I know how these shows tend to go. Yeah. Right. That's Full Metal Alchemist. Katie, what have you been up to? Oh, you know, the usual watching anime, playing games on my phone. Are you, are you going to talk about the concert you went to? I, I can definitely talk about the concert I went I wanna, to. Cause I, I want because I want to hear about it. Okay. Um, I went to a concert that featured Mitsuki, Run the Jewels, and Lord in Atlanta, Georgia. And that was, like, a really, really great experience. Um, mostly because, like, Lord had talked about previously, like, giving a platform to, um, like, indie artists and marginalized artists and stuff like that. So I thought it was really cool that she actually brought those kinds of artists with her on her tour instead of just talking about it. So that's really cool. Mitsuki is a Japanese um, indie artist band. And then Run the Jewels, obviously, uh, is a rap duo with LP and Killer Mike. And um, yeah, it was really, really awesome. The crowd was like super hype and the performances were really nice too. So it was great. I'm glad I got to see Run the Jewels like in Georgia because that's where Killer Mike is from. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. How was so with these? I'm always interested in the crowd size for the openers, especially when the openers are have their own audience. Like I saw the I saw the Foo Fighters at an arena. And they had a bunch of openers, and one of them was oh, social distortion. Yeah, social distortion. And they have they had their own audience there, and then they left as soon as they were done, <laughs> <laughs> and didn't and didn't stay for the Foo Fighters. Um, was did you see anything like that where people were there for maybe one of the openers and then left before load before load before Lord went on? Um, no, but it was, like, totally the opposite, which I thought was, like, I think that's incredibly rude, um, (laughs) because, like, if you're gonna, like, skip the openers and then go just for the person who's headlining, it's, like, the person who's headlining, like, handpicked these people to go on tour with them, so, like, maybe you should listen to their music or whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, like, we were in arena, kind of the same thing, um, but... Nobody really left, but people definitely, like, joined later on. Right. Um, so, like, at the beginning, like, when Mitsuki was playing, it wasn't, like, super packed. Right. But there was definitely people in, like, every section. But by the time Lord came on, it was, like, a completely full arena. Um, so, uh, that kind of got on my nerves, like, a little bit. I'm like, you paid for the whole ticket, which pays for the people in front of you. So, like, why wouldn't, why wouldn't you not be there for that (laughs) that's usually how it goes though yeah um that sort of thing but like it's that's also weird because it's like people like those miski and run the jewels both are pretty well known at this point i think yes i've heard people i've heard people talk about both of those artists and like oh you need to listen to this right um so it's weird to me that (laughs) like maybe maybe it would be maybe it's like I don't. I don't know. Maybe maybe there was a better turnout than usual for these acts, but also, it seems weird. Um, 
or not weird. It's cool that this was a cool bill because it sounds like a really cool combination of artists. It but. was because like all of their sounds are so different. It's like an incredibly yeah. varied show. And that was really neat to see. And also Run the Jewels has like a really funny dynamic. And <laughs> they're like very um, affectionate towards each other on stage, like hugging each other and all kinds Aww. of stuff. And um what I thought was funny was LP was uh, after like their opening songs. He was like, um, now I know some parents in here didn't look too closely at the bill tonight and uh, are going to have to have the run the jewels talk with their children after the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought that was that was funny. And of course, I sang along to all of the songs. And so I have, and I, I I tend to record video at concerts, especially when it's songs that I really, really like, so I can watch it later. Mm-hmm. Um, and so <laughs> I made this one second clip of me where I, I, you can hear me like very shrilly screaming kumbaya B word. <laughs> As the only recorded evidence of Katie cursing <laughs> that exists in the world. I just I thought it was funny because I was like this is this is I wouldn't say out of character but kind of out of character. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because I I want to scream my support and those are the lyrics, so I'm gonna scream them. Yeah. (laughs) Says all the white people who don't know that they can't say the N word. I was gonna say I didn't want to say it. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, we we gotta make the joke. We gotta make the clueless white person joke. The the one really cool thing though is that they had Big Boy from Outcast come. Oh, nice! And I like totally didn't expect that at all, and that was really cool um, to see him as well. And so that made me super happy because I was like, whoa! You know, they're probably not going to have any of the like artists they're featured with, you know, just because mm-hmm. it's like they're not also on the tour. And if they were, I probably would have heard about it. But I think that Big Boy was part of it because he's from Atlanta as well. So mm-hmm. that was really cool. That was a super nice surprise. And, That's cool. Um, Run the Jewels also did like a thing where they talked about Women's History Month. And then they also did like a tribute to um, suicide victims and awareness and stuff. And it was really awesome because the whole arena was like lit up by people's phones whenever they did that because he was like put a light up for you know all the people we don't have with us anymore and it was just really nice so it was it was nice and wholesome woke the jewels (laughs) wow sorry i'm sorry no I'm, i'm i'm really happy that they're doing stuff like that i just that had to come out ryan has instilled in me this desire to constantly make the joke if it's there (laughs) <laughs> I you I went this long without doing an NRA bit. <laughs> I went yeah, so yes. long. Um, how was the how was the arena experience? I feel like concerts are pretty awesome. Uh, going there, like getting there, and the process of waiting Parking in line and, everything. and finding your seats it, it's okay. terrible. It sucks. It was actually really great. We went to the. Uh, so shout out to this convention center we went to the infinite energy arena and like okay low-key i'm not sure if i parked where i was supposed to because (laughs) like 
we parked in the parking spot. I mean, obviously there were other cars like around, but it was pretty close to the venue and um like there was a sign it said like event parking, so I mean, I followed the, we followed the sign and parked. But there was like people directing like traffic with like little lights and stuff like that, but they weren't over in the area where we were. Um mm-hmm. and it didn't have that many people and it took maybe 5 minutes to walk to the venue and then like there weren't any lines. We did get there like fairly early. Yeah, I was going to say. And um, we waited like maybe 15 minutes and bought merch. And then after that, like, because we had floor seats because okay. I bought them like super early in advance. Um, so you got, so there were no seats. You just stood? No, 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 no. There were seats, but they were on the floor instead of being like okay. around. Of course, people didn't sit in them, though. That's, like, my least favorite thing, least favorite thing about concerts is nobody wants to sit in their seat. And I'm like... It's a a concert. (laughs) First of all, I'm five feet tall. Also, there's, there's like, shitty accessibility stuff around concerts. Yeah, exactly. Like, uh, with my back issue and also being five feet tall, it's really not chill. And so Eli was like, here, I'll help you stand on the chair. And then one of the people was like, no, standing on the chair, get off. So oh I couldn't do that. But in in other, like, cool news, they, like, whenever you came down to the floor, they would, like, escort you to your seat and help you find it. So that was really that's nice. That's cool. Yeah. And the food there was actually pretty good, too. Oh, that's rare. I know. Stadium stadium food is really bad, usually. I know. The last time I had stadium food, it was absolutely disgusting. But um, (laughs) this one was not bad. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, overall, like, not bad at all. And we didn't really have to, like, wait in lines, really. Uh, The only thing we waited for was, like, set changes. So. Cool. Not a big deal. That is the most like frictionless concert event. Yeah. That sounds like heaven. I know. I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't think I've, I don't, other than like small clubs, I don't remember having a concert be that easy, like a big one. So yeah. That's, that's good to hear. I mean, went, well, there were people behind us who were like screeching. Um, <laughs> like, what? Oh like, on. really loud. <laughs> like, I know you scream at concerts, but it was like every song that came on, it was like a scream and then followed by like, oh my God. It's like, yep, what do you know? It's another Lord song. <laughs> Surprise. That's really good. But um, there are also like a few select people in the audience in front of us who were dancing and were like incredible at dancing and so eli and i mostly just watched them because they were like (laughs) the best parts of the show i mean they did have like actual choreographed dance on for lord which i had never seen before i've never seen Mm. a show that had like backup dancers so that was interesting um but the people who were around us like definitely had some moves and it was really nice to see them and then eli actually approached them after the show and said that they made his experience because it was so fun to watch them nice. so it was nice it was a nice time yeah that's cool um yeah alan were you gonna say something just that yeah the biggest concert i went to was uh and i saw queen last year and all oh. i remember which was wild but the the event we, we saw it at the the TD Garden, which is where the Celtics play, 
is like so rigidly managed and huge that there's like no room for things to get messy and 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 awkward like parking is handled really well by a third party company ticketing is handled by like big bulky security men who don't let anybody go through unless they absolutely are checked in correctly um seating is is managed very well like other than us sitting next to like we sat next to like a bunch of loud drunk people and they let us move they were like if you find seats that aren't taken then you're fine Mm -hmm. you're allowed to do that which is like very cool yeah uh i'll tell you my nightmare story oh Um, no uh this was a foo fighters show it's like the second time we went to see them it was like in 2015 i want to say they were touring for their sonic highways album which wasn't that good um and it was when dave girl broke his leg so he was touring with a broken leg um and it was like supposed to be it was fourth of july so it's supposed to be this big fourth of july show the bill was ridiculous it was like joan jett and uh um oh let me just pull it up right now hold on i mean joan uh, jett alone like holy shit yeah exactly like... joan jett uh i'm blanking on the name of other stuff fuck hold on all right i have it pulled up all right buddy guy Gary Clark Jr., Joan Jett, Hart, fucking Hart. Oh my gosh. Fucking LL Cool J. The ladies do love Cool J, James. Uh, and Trouble Funk. So it was like a, this big, this big, what can go wrong? Just guys being dudes and also yeah. Joan Jett and Hart. Um, that is ridiculous. It rained. So we got good, we got good seats. It rained in the middle of the day. Oh, so we lost, we lost our seats, and we had to go to the very back of the stadium because all the seats were taken. Also, we had had to get food from the stadium, and it was garbage food. Um, Six times and, more expensive than and it should be. Every, and, yeah. and everything had a line to it, so we'd miss sets just to get food. It sucked. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it was terrible, and the Foo Fighters weren't even that good. They didn't play a good set, but he broke his leg. Um I don't know. It, I don't know. It was it was a bad time. I am so sorry. Well, because like, oh, I I'm starving because I'm I'm sitting through this Foo Fighter set and I can't get food. Also, I'm rained on because it rained five hours before. Also, I'm just tired. <laughs> <laughs> no, when this long, long concert festivals are good on paper but bad in practice. So Coachella. Coachella uh the thing about Coachella uh I have a friend in California John California John um who has been who has been on this podcast and also has been to Coachella and has had to leave Coachella early and when you leave Coachella early they escort you out and you see like the 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 infrastructure of Coachella and he described it as like hipster prison because but they oh, have no. all towers and spotlights and stuff and that's that's what I, whenever someone talks about Coachella, that's what I picture in my mind. Well, doesn't it, like, last for a really long time? It's like a yes. week. I, they probably encourage you to, like, stay at a hotel or something, probably. Okay. Right? Yes. But, yeah. That's ridiculous. Coach- Coachella's a whole thing. I went to, um, real briefly, I went to New York since the last time we recorded and, and saw a concert there. Very small venue, very nice, because the venue was, it was, like, in a record store. That was cool. Um, but I was standing next to this woman with her partner and they were talking about how they were from California where Coachella is actually good and all the weed is better. 
like, <laughs> like California elitists, and I was like, you, you just suck. Wow. I think you just suck. <laughs> like constantly reminding us, like she's good here, but like she's coming to LA next week, and you're like that's where it's gonna be lit. And I'm like, it's what? It's the same set. Like, what's wrong? Yeah. Why are you like this? God. Wow. And they were like older too. They were like, we've been to all the concerts. Like we saw the Eagles in their last show <laughs> or whatever. And you're like, I'm happy for you. Wow. <laughs> Go away. There were a lot of characters at that concert. My first concert was a Weezer show, but it was also a festival. So there was like Panic at the Disco and Papa Roach. Oh, God. (laughs) Panic at the Disco was bizarre because they they play with like they do fog machine stuff. But it was like in the middle of the afternoon. It was like two in the afternoon. Oh, so I mean like the lights really aren't going to even... So there's no light effects. They're just playing, and there's like dried ice or some shit just on stage while they're playing, and people are screaming because it's Panic at the Disco, and apparently people like Panic at the Disco. Yes. Um, Papa Roach also people were crazy for, but that was one of those other. I think also Angels and Airwaves. Whoa. Really. <laughs> really weird. Yeah. What a good set. Um. I had a thing, but we're going long. Uh, I'll just make it quick. I wanted the plug. Uh, I'm reading. I read this comic for class uh, called "As the Crow Flies" by Melanie Gilman. Uh, Melanie Gilman is like a non-binary comics artist, uh, and "As the Crow Flies" is about like a black uh, genderqueer person, let's say, uh, going to a religious uh, summer camp, like a like a all white religious summer camp oh man uh and it's kind of it's it's as terrifying as it, it's like it's not like a horror comic but the premise is terrifying right um it's all it's all about like being the only person of color in the room and you know being aware of what the, being surrounded by people like feeling other in these spaces um and but it also becomes about camaraderie between people who are othered uh, later on, you find out that there is a girl in there who is trans and is very much hiding that for her protection uh, until, you know, they form a relationship in which that becomes more open and they're able to form their little clique uh, in in light of the sort of and a weird, like, oppressed, oppressive-like system of this, like, weird summer camp that is christian summer camp that is supposedly feminist even though all of the women who took part in like the first trail up the hike or whatever that it's all built on you know own slaves and all that stuff so it's kind of coming to terms with that and also forming relationships in spite of the shittiness and i it's a web comics and it's not done it's still being worked on but i really liked it a lot and uh it's a quick read so if people want something quick web comic to read uh it's also in paper form like there's a vault there's like a first volume of it out there uh it's the art style is amazing it's all in like colored pencil stuff um and yeah it's great great comic i loved it a lot i just binged it and it was really great well, so. that's awesome. It sounds really great. Yeah. Good comic. Melanie Gilman also has done, like, work on, like, Steven Universe comics. Oh. Too. Yeah, I was about to Stuff say like that, that exact thing. Yeah. Yeah, so. That's really yeah. cool. I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, I 
think that's it. Anyone have anything else they want to mention before we take a break? No. No, I think I'm good. All right, let's take a break. We'll be right back to talk about our shared experience. ready to talk about a effing movie it's um it's a movie it's a movie it's a movie it's kind Uh of offensive yeah (laughs) bada bing bada boom it's offensive kind of like this accent the bada bing (laughs) it is how many times do they say the f slur in this movie like come on walter hill probably like Three to five times. Like, not cool. It was a different time. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Are this woke David Cage? (laughs) No, it's woke Mario, apparently. I like like woke Mario. There was a reason why I didn't do the talk in my old games. (laughs) Wow. Mario's an MRA. (laughs) Oh, no. No. I mean, I saw it coming. <laughs> local, local journalist Ryan Prasad said, "I don't know. I, I don't know. I saw it coming." <laughs> well, he, he saves Princess Peach a lot. That's, yes. That's Come on. I played Mario Odyssey, where he's like Bowser, you and me, we got to team up. We we keep rescuing and stealing back this girl. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> that's how, literally how the whatever. What the fuck, dude? Says Mario. Yeah, says no, Mario. that's what I was laughing at. <laughs> What did the fuck, dude? (laughs) Indeed. (laughs) Yo, the Warriors can keep my whole ass. Let's talk about it. Okay. And we're back, and we're here to talk about the 1979 film The Warriors, directed by Walter Hill based on the novel of the same name by Saul Urich. Uh, Alan, you picked this film for us to watch on this month. Uh, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were just going to say, why? <laughs> I almost did. Uh, but... I watched this movie several years, like seven or eight years ago, I think. Um, this was in that same batch of movies that I think I've referenced before where, like, in 2010, I was really sure that I was just going to become film literate and start, um, like, watching all the classics. And this came up in that batch of classics that I was supposedly supposed to watch. Um, and at the time, I was like, this seems fine. But maybe, like, when I'm older and I understand, the like, what this movie is going for politically, I'll like it more. Uh, plot twist. Uh, <laughs> I watched <laughs> I watched dun, it when dun, I got dun, older, dun. and I didn't miss anything the first time I watched it. Dun. Dun, 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 dun. It's not that it isn't saying anything. It's just that it's so... Like, all of the good reads I have of this movie are, like, six la- under six layers of subtext. Like, the movie itself is fine, uh, especially for its time. Um, it kind of holds up visually. It's got some terribly problematic elements in the script uh, and in the way the characters are uh, portrayed, but... It is not a very, like, intelligent... It's not a movie really trying to say much, I think. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. What do yeah. y'all think about it? Yeah. Um, for me, I I thought I, I had an okay time watching it, but then the moment I, like, sat down and 
thought about it. I just thought about how it could have been a lot better. And so that's where I ultimately come down on is that I think that the movie that we got was okay at best, but it could have been a lot better if they had made different creative changes to it. And not even like, you know, they use outdated language that probably wouldn't be okay today. Not even like that stuff, but like structurally, like what they decided to focus on wasn't what what I hoped it would focus on and when I thought about it. Right. Um, yeah. What about you, Katie? Uh, I just thought it was... Ca- <laughs> I, I, I thought it was okay. Like... Right. Um, I thought that the pacing was really interesting. I'll say that. It kind of felt like I was watching a play or like a musical as opposed sure. to like a traditional movie. Um, So that was kind of neat. But I didn't really like any of the characters and like didn't identify with anybody and i feel like identifying with at least someone is kind of important to me whenever i'm watching something Mm -hmm. and i was like i don't like any of these people (laughs) like they're all kind of gross with how they treat women and like Mm -hmm. i don't know I just think that, like, it tried to say something, but was weird about it, specifically about, like, um, prostitution and people who are, quote-unquote, whores and stuff, but then, like, didn't really have a hard stance on that, and also was kind of convoluted, and then, like, the big bad guy who they end up killing at the end the rogue dude was just kind of like ridiculous i don't know how Mm -hmm. else to say it like there was no like motivation there was nothing to like discover it was kind of just these dudes on the run and then they get the guy who framed them and then that's the movie right and i feel like part of that is intentional like this movie is meant to be ridiculous like the the scene at the beginning where all of the gang like groups come together like that is a comically large that is like maybe that is a good chunk of new york city (laughs) that group like you can't even get a dsa meeting that size (laughs) like it's a lot of people they got a lot of extras for that yeah imdb said that's over a thousand extras yeah, that's a lot. That's a ridiculous amount of people. Yep. Um, and it kind of goes from there. There are different factions that are have a com- comedic element to it, but I feel like a lot of the humor in the situations are undercut by the fact that it is taken so seriously. Like the the film really wants you to care about the warriors and their goal of making it back to their home turf of Comey Island, and. I don't know, the the parts where I found humor in it, I felt like I was laughing at it in spite of its attempt to be serious, and it didn't, I couldn't really find the balance that it was trying to hit. Yeah. So I think that's fairly accurate. So what is this movie about? Basically, we have all these different gangs in New York, like, literally hundreds of gangs. Every single gang controls a different corner of the city. Um... The beginning of the movie is just like a fun montage of all the different gangs we have like and it's just like what could the costume department find in their spare time we Uh, have the gang with the camo we have the like clown baseball people the clown baseball people are so good they're the best gang that's absolutely true (laughs) they're so pure 
there's one game that's just Asian people, and that's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of questionable stuff about race in those movies. Yeah, like, like there's I mean, a we skinhead. Could, we, could t- we could we could talk about the fact that the warriors, uh, the way that they are dressed, is very appropriative in yeah sort of like native culture yeah. and stuff. And their names for their ranks and stuff and all that. Yeah. Uh, there is a gang called the skinheads, which is a bunch of sha- people who shave their heads, except half of them are people of color. And it's like, do you guys know what skinheads are? What are yeah, you doing? Yeah, do you know what that even means? Because <laughs> when he was like, they're just a bunch of effing skinheads, I was like, oh. Um... You're like, oh, they're doing that. And then you see them and like half of them are black. And you're like, what? I'm like, either these yeah, are some I, confused look, I, people. I don't, I, don't, I don't see color. I don't see color. Oh, that's right. That's it. right. That's right. Sorry, you're true. Yeah. So true. You know, I'm just, I'm colorblind, like. Uh, like some of them are just but then some of them are just like here we have angry we're we're all angry and we wear vests there's just a lot of vests uh in this movie uh and then there's people with cool jackets and then then some of them are just like we're bad at our jobs yeah yeah our (laughs) our gang quirk is that we're terrible (laughs) is that we suck yeah is that we suck yeah like there's so much even that idea has a lot more potential like they one of the first things they run into is the orphans uh and you're like oh that's like a cool idea like people who like don't have families but like they never talk about that they're just another gang of toughs of like angry men except Uh, they have orphans like embroidered on the back of their shirts exactly yeah um (laughs) and all this is centered around the murder of a man named cyrus who is like the like leader of all the gangs i guess they never say what's up with cyrus He's like the president, something about being the leader of all the gangs or he's, something. He's like, he's the leader of the most powerful gang. And oh. so people like respected him for that, I guess. Okay. Mm-hmm. But and he doesn't even yeah. say anything particularly like controversial in that big scene that he brings all the different people from everywhere to say. He's just like, we're all going to start working together and unify against like the corruption or something. Like, let's all, you know, collaborate. And then he gets shot. And then the guy who shoots him, Luther uh is uh, immediately like blames it on the warriors who are uh have to escape with with their lives all the way back to coney island using uh, Mm -hmm. between running and taking the trains uh and that's sort of the conflict of the movie uh but that's kind of it they just get chased by a bunch of gangs and then they get there and then they kill the guy who killed like the the like mysterious they don't even kill the bad guy the no. like mysterious <laughs> clan who we never talk about beforehand, or we've only seen them in like weird side cut scenes. Uh, yeah, just takes With, care like, of him, and then they're like, "Bye." There's like you know we just see their their gang wherever it's like the leader with the sunglasses, and then some silhouette leans over to him and is like, "We have an update on the warriors." Okay. I like that gang though when they showed up at the end and they're just like an army of dudes. Yes, There's, like, thirty of them. <laughs> There's so many people, and then they open up a lane so the warriors can get away, <laughs> yes. so they can beat up the guy who actually killed Cyrus. It's very good, and the, the guy with the sunglasses is very good. Yeah, I didn't. I, I, I looked for their that gang's name. I think Gramercy was the name that kept coming up in the credits, but I don't. I didn't get any character names. They were very cool. I actually liked them a lot. Yeah. Um, that was, it reminded me of the Alex Jones meme with all the Alex Joneses. Oh no. <laughs> so. Regarding all the different gangs, I thought uh, there is potentially some sort of read in here, like, because this movie is technically supposed to take place in the future, I guess. Really? I think. I think it's 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 supposed to be a like near sli- future. Yeah, like a slight dystopian future, maybe. Okay. Uh, because 
the reason that that read works for me is that maybe it's this world where there are just so so many people that are in gangs in New York in this universe that they can't there can't just be like the two or the three gangs that control all of New York. There are so many different people with so many different ideologies that we decided well, we can't just separate by race. We can't just separate by the colors that we wear. Now some of us, there's like 50 gangs, and some of us just have to wear vests to differentiate ourselves. That's all we have that makes us different anymore is the way that we dress. Um, mm-hmm. But again, the film doesn't like give any credence to that read. It's just a fun way of thinking about like, oh, in the future, there's, they have so many gangs that they, they have to start dressing weirdly to differentiate themselves. That's all it is. Which, if you want to take the social commentary angle, there are so many points in this film that you can point to that undercut every single one of, like, a So many. Movie. I know! Um, just to start off, okay. like, the lead of this movie is a white dude who says nothing and doesn't show any emotion, and he still gets a girlfriend at the end of it. But it's, like, it's weird. I I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do want to talk yeah. about this because like okay. okay, she's this girl who obviously just like she is very open about like sleeping around and having fun and doing what she when, wants to do. Yes. And yeah. so like the whole time this dude is like calling her these derogatory names, like calling her a whore and saying like blah 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 and initially like there's this very uncomfortable scene where they kind of like forcibly like grab her and they're basically just like threatening to like rape her and Mm -hmm. um stuff like that and so i'm like why on earth is this lady gonna be attracted to this dude who has done nothing but put her down and he's done nothing he's talked down to her the whole film and then and then they kiss and he still talks down to her after that and And he rejects her and then apparently like (laughs) And then he's like, I changed my mind. I was pretty rough to you back there. It's like, yeah, you were. You wouldn't get a no, second chance. That doesn't go there's away. No, like, and there's no like verbal communication of like, all right, is this a thing that we want? It is just like, I am a stone-faced white man and I'm going to get my girl. Yeah. It is bad. But he was like, you know, kind of like saying that, like being a... Uh, the promiscuous woman was bad but then it's like well maybe i mean you can go further and be like but it's not bad because of you it's bad because of people who take advantage of that like right. my gang here but like no it doesn't right it's just they like don't do you that. can't you can't be in a gang and then be like his sex work is bad and then it's like Sleeping with other people is bad, but I, I guess it doesn't matter because but we I, still end but up I together anyway. It. Yeah, <laughs> I can do it though, because I'm in a gang and I'm cool. Gang, gang. Uh, and then the one like all women gang, their whole gimmick is like you come to our house and we all like try to seduce we, you guys. And, yeah, yeah, and then we try to yeah. The Lizzies. <sighs> they could have been so oh. cool. The Lizzies all look super cool, and they all like, and then they're just gone. They pull out a gun, and then they're villains again. Like everyone's a villain in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Don't... But also, like, if they were a gang, wouldn't they know about them? Yeah. Probably. I don't know. I get. Yeah, well, maybe, well but again, maybe there's just so many gangs that you don't know about everybody who's in yeah. a gang. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they even said at the beginning, like, we're we're called the Lizzies, like, before e- any of that even happened. And right. Good point. Maybe they were just like, "Huh, what a nice girl group name." <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then again. And then a complete undercut of like, 
maybe you know maybe i'll root for the warriors like one of them tries to rape a cop yes you know it's like that one kid who had constantly been like the bad seed and whatever was like oh, oh, i'm gonna go get that girl yes ajax he's like i'm gonna go get that girl and they're like no we gotta go home he's like i'm gonna go get that girl and you know he was a cop not that that matters yeah. anyway not that matters that you try to rape someone yeah yeah because it, he it's, was like i guess she doesn't know that the park's not safe after dark it's like that's terrifying <laughs> but thank you okay you're a monster ajax is easily the, the like most detestable person in this movie i think because luther the guy who killed cyrus he was straight up there like why'd you do that and he's like i don't know because i did it no. yeah <laughs> like, it's just, he, i like to do things like that he has a cool like mysterious uh chaos motive whereas yeah. uh ajax is just like i'm an asshole because i want power and i deserve it and you're like i yeah like, easy i hate yeah. you you're and the villain <laughs> i at least at least i had fun watching luther one because it's the same actor who plays jerry horn in twin peaks <laughs> yep but also just like he comes out with a car and he like has a bunch of beer, beer bottles and he's just like War- warriors come out and play and he does like five like line reads of that and they're yeah. all equally ridiculous and the like, bottle clinking gets, noise like, is more so scary. shrill and and like <laughs> more like higher pitched and and just uh, like clinking the bottles yes. on his fingers it's, it's really good there's a reason I that just... scene is famous yeah I just don't understand the bottle finger part. I mean, it's creepy. He's trying to scare it is them. Creepy. I would have just laughed if I had seen yep. that. I'm sorry. I did. I did laugh. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, it seemed like it didn't um, work. Like they were just like, "All right, well, we're yeah. gonna right, go well, now." Look at this guy. Yeah. I, I have a knife now that I should have kept with me the whole time, but I left it at home. Although they do say they're not allowed to bring weapons to the Cyrus mm-hmm. meeting, so that's okay. Yeah. Yeah, but also there's stuff like that. There's the stuff we mentioned earlier, the baseball gang that was hilarious because the they're furious. all like in, they're on all like glam walk, rock uh, makeup and stuff, yeah. which was hilarious. And they like don't this... speak, so I guess they're like mimes. I guess. Oh, I guess, yeah. But also they fight with baseball bats because they're baseball people. Yep. And they and they suck at fighting. Yep. But they have cool make they have cool makeup. And that's all that counts. Well, they they just heavily rely on their intimidation factor. They don't actually have any combat skills. Yeah, uh, quote unquote intimidation factor because they're dudes in makeup. That like not even like the fact that they're wearing makeup. Just like the designs of it are just ridiculous yeah. as hell. Well, the, tri- the tri- I love some of the trivia for this movie. It has some of the best trivia that we for any movie we've seen. But the one for them was like the director liked baseball and he liked Kiss the band. <laughs> and he yeah. uh, you know he- what we should do. Put them together. Kiss baseball, the 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 gang, and they're like super menacing. They're yeah, they're just such a memorable uh, look, um, and like incorporating a bit like baseball is such a big part of New York's culture that I was like, oh yay, like that, it makes sense that they have a baseball gang. That that works. Uh, that tracks mm-hmm. really well. Uh, yeah, as opposed to a lot of the other ones that are just like purple vests. <laughs> um, yep. I wanted more weird gangs. Yeah, uh, with too. more personality. That's why I think I like the Baseball Furies was they felt like they had a personality. Uh, right. And I guess that's where I have trouble with this movie because when I think of the stuff that I had fun with, it is like all of the humor stuff. Um, and I feel like we we watched Repo Man a few months ago for this podcast. And I like that is that is the version of this movie that I like 
it that is the version of this movie that's like okay this is a ridiculous over-the-top thing uh it is meant to be funny and it's meant to be ridiculous like this doesn't quite nail that stride at the same time it doesn't go for like we're making statements about gang violence or anything like that it doesn't do either of those so it's not a parody and it's not a statement it is just a piece of something and yeah i don't know i i don't i didn't really take anything too meaningful from it yeah um, other than other than you know the craft was good i guess and some of the some parts were okay but yeah i found it pretty middling because it didn't really commit to one or the other any any uh commentary garnered from this movie is read into it the movie does not bring any of that like and it just it's right it's filled with potential to do that like i don't know i uh we were talking before recording this about how um some people have seen this movie as like a criticism of the like conservative era of that time worrying that gangs were going to outnumber police and that there were going to be so many gangs and they were all just going to be murdering each other and like this is what gang life looks like is that it's all just a bunch of young kids wasting their future just beating each other up in the streets and chasing each other through the train stations um and it's supposed to like the the read is like that it's a joke about that um but it's just that (laughs) yeah it doesn't suggest that there's any larger point to be garnered from that about how like well actually these are like what they could have done maybe is like well no the the truth is that a lot of people that are in gangs are real people who end up there as a matter as a fact of circumstance not because they choose to be Mm -hmm. it does not do that uh, right. Like, yeah. go into how people ended up in these gangs. Go into, like, sex... I mean, I don't trust anybody who worked on this movie to actually, like, do sex work right. But, like, go into... <laughs> like, if you're gonna do it, like, try to go into that a little bit. Like, uh, how do you get into the gang? Who gets in the gangs? Why do they do it? How how do people, like, fall into sex work and stuff like that? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it, it tries... It, I don't know. It tries to just do it it does it doesn't do enough of the fun stuff and it doesn't do enough of the like actual thinking about how like the material conditions of in which gangs form that it just comes out feeling bland for me. There yeah, so many so many roads for them to do that. Like uh the there is this idea that the the truth is like the cops are outnumbered by the gangs. And in this movie, the cops almost just seem like another gang. The way that they gang, they like uh, hey! group up on people. And they just like run around and chase them just like the other gang members do. Like, especially at that scene when they're like in the subway yeah. train station. And well, I guess it's just a train. But they're all um, like there's the warriors running. And then there are that one gang. I don't remember their name. And they're running. And then the police are running. And they're like all kind of chasing each other. It's like, how are the police any different from... Yeah, they don't have anything... They don't have equipment-wise anything that the others don't have. Right. And there's no, like, comment on, like, masculinity and how that plays into the actions that the characters take in the film. It is just, a, a, like, a portrait of one type of masculinity, I thought. Yeah. You know, it is very much to, like, you've got to show no emotions and, you know be tough or else you're you know not a real man stuff like that yep like they push one of the warriors in front of a train and he dies and the movie doesn't yeah. do anything with that they're like and any yeah, they no don't really I, I was grapple. gonna see like if we heard anything about that but no no they don't really grapple with 
the realities of like losing a gang member to the cops or losing it to literally by dying. It's like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. And then just the racial stuff too, like the fact that so much of the cast is white. Um, I think a lot of those problems with the film are like studio meddling. Like I know that the relationship with Mercy and the main character Swan uh, is studios being like, we need to have a love interest, which is really frustrating. Like Mercy was not supposed to be that important of a character. And then they gave her uh, that plot just because it made sense for audiences, I guess. Well, she Uh, was also supposed to be cast as uh, Puerto Rican. Really? Yep. There is so much. That is just yet another uh, another example of what I was going to bring up, which is uh, like whitewashing the intended cast of this movie. Because uh, yeah. based on the book, like they're all um, people of color, like hun- like at least the warriors are. And Walter Hill was like, "We're absolutely doing that." He, he there's a quote where he straight up says, "This story can't work unless they are all black and Hispanic." And and then the studio was like, "No, but there's this like up and coming actor." Uh, named James Remar, and you have to have him play Ajax. And he's like, well, you know, this movie needs to get made. It's like a very big-scale movie for the time. Uh, and it's really frustrating because it, it, it just robs the movie of any potential to, to even, like, through its casting, say anything. Sure. Do you think that would make a difference with the script, how it is now? Like, it's hard to tell. Not what the script it with... is now, yeah. Yeah, because the script that we have, like, it still has a lot of the same problems. Um so I, yeah, I don't know how much of it, how much of the studio like play with the script or whatever, but it, my problems with the movie come from more than the fact that it was a bunch of white yes. dudes. Yeah. There were a lot, there's a lot of other frustrations there. Um, I think, but yeah, sorry to keep, to keep like hogging this conversation. I just think my, my favorite, like the, the actual moment that the movie gets the closest to, to doing something and saying something is my favorite scene in the movie where it's right at the end before they get back to Coney Island and they're on the train and they're sitting across the, uh, the train from a bunch of like drunk white people who are like clearly very rich and they're all dressed really well. Yeah. 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 That scene in its silence says more than the rest of the film. Yeah. That was good. It's like, because what they're doing is they're just sitting there and you, you get the camera like panning up on the warriors as they're all like in mercy is all like dirty and like bruised and beat up. And these rich people are like, Oh, that's like disgusting and awful. And the yep. warriors are just like mm-hmm. blankly staring, like not saying anything, not starting trouble. Uh, it's this like weird right. interlude that just like the class, like it shows the class difference just through cinematography and yep. none of the rest of the movie is like that. No. Yeah. That was a very good scene. You're right. Um, and then yeah, it just like they get to the end. The guy does the bottle clinkies thing. Uh, they get they get chased to they chase to the beach, uh, and then the other gang comes and they walk away on the beach happy. And the eagle song plays over the credits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just kind of ends. I'm curious. Uh, I didn't read a lot about the book, but I'm curious like where the book, uh, how or how the book handles all that stuff and how it ends. Right. Um. Because the book is actually also based on uh, a Greek tragedy, which is just right. like guys coming back from war. It's sort of like a similar to like the the Odyssey, uh, same like idea of just like a bunch of Greek soldiers coming back from war, um, and like running into different people along the way. Uh, but I don't know a lot about either of those things, so I can't really speak to what what the difference is. Uh, I know the Warriors novel came out in 1965 when the 
potential for political commentary was completely different. Like straight up civil rights movement time. We could have done a lot more with that, but they probably don't. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I think is really interesting is that like it wasn't received well whenever it came out and it's like kind of just recently been considered like a cult classic ep like I would say like two thousands like mid two thousands and up. So I think that's really strange because like specifically it's good reception on like Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. Um that only really started like after twenty ten, like even just last year. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, yeah, do people resonate with this message now or something? Because that's, I mean, maybe it's one of those things where it's like, it's one of those conversations that I think about often in terms of like, what do we consider important films, or and who gets to decide that? Yeah, because I could see somebody being like, "The Warriors is an amazing film," but like, why was it because he uses filmic techniques that are cool? It was it because of the comment because it sure as hell isn't the commentary. Um, yeah. So like, who gets to decide which films are important, important, and which films are like cult classics, and who, you know, yeah, I don't know, I don't know what to make of that at all because I feel like this movie, in in terms of message, reinforces a lot of toxic shit that we, especially on this podcast, work towards, like, not, like, dismantling and, you know, talking down stuff like the way masculinity is presented in this film and the way that women are treated in this film. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to make of that at all. There's a, yeah, there's definitely a good point about who defined this movie as a classic and why and who defines anything as a classic. I think uh, the like circles that I was hanging out in in 2009, 2010 that recommended this movie um, liked it for reasons I don't agree with anymore. Like I remember people being like this awesome scene in the park where the guy talks about like I'm gonna shove this bat down your throat or beat you with like the line about him like beating them up with their own bats when he's fighting the baseball furies. Like treating it like it's a fun uh, cartoon action movie. And not just, like, really violent and really, like, kind of dark and um, uninteresting. Uh, I think they were just finding things to like in it that I don't... Like, it's you really really need to do something and say something with your violence in any movie or medium for me to care about it anymore. Because I'm so over, like, getting excited about a cool kill in a movie. That just just hasn't, like, struck a chord with me in, like I said, like, eight or nine years. Yeah, like all the positive reviews I've read before we recorded are just like they compliment the style. Yeah. And the negative reviews talked about it not being like it didn't really amount to much in the end. So, and I feel like that's kind of where this podcast is falling. Yeah. Um, Even like I can see it in the context. I think it's very much too when we say call classic, there's a sort of prestige that goes along with it. But who the fuck knows? Cool classic could just mean that like dudes enjoy watching it on a Sunday with their friends sometimes. And like, Hey, I have this movie on DVD. You want to watch it and have a good time and drink some beers and get super drunk and watch the warriors. Whereas when people say call classic, we usually attribute to that to like, I don't know, like twin Peak, like David Lynch and like stuff that has more of a prestige. So maybe, maybe there's a conflation with like call classic and like prestige films. Right. Right. There. I mean, 
it almost falls under the same people recommending it and calling it a, cl- a classic that recommend like Fight Club. Fight Club. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Fight wow. Club. Exactly what I'm talking. You know exactly what I'm talking. Or like Seven. Or like those all those movies from like the 2000s that were like kind of okay, kind of t- don't hold up at all, uh, but were regarded as like the best movies of our era. And I was, I, I totally was one of those people where I was like, yeah, you gotta watch. Uh, uh, what's the one with Kaiser Soze? Uh, Usual uh, Suspects. Usual Suspects. I watched Usual Suspects movie <laughs> recently. That movie sucks. That movie's terrible. It's so boring <laughs> for the whole thing. It's so dull. <laughs> and it's so messed. Like, just there is a huge corner of film criticism that, uh, is a bunch of white dudes telling other people to watch movies made by white dudes and perpetuating these, yeah. like, awful. Uh, standards that is well, every medium I found, true, like, true 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 this really good description of that kind of thing where it's talking about like clockwork orange and a catcher in the rye and fight club and in those kinds of media where it's like i mean they're arguably like good things objectively um but if somebody says they're like the best or their favorite then that's yeah. probably a red flag because what that means is that instead of disliking the protagonists like you're supposed to do they identify with them because yeah like <laughs> yeah like in in like fight club you're not supposed to like tyler durden obviously i mean maybe not obvious to everybody but he's supposed to be seen <laughs> as like bad. a garbage human <laughs> like a yes. bad a bad amalgamation of the bad qualities of the, the guy that he's inside of exactly like, yeah. and but, it's like, also like yeah, people don't ahead. see that they just think he's cool, and so that's what I think yeah. a lot of like the the gushing about those movies come from is kind of like the wrong take on it, you know. And it's, it's also like the Breaking Bad thing too, of like Walter White is such a exactly he, he's such a good guy, and Skyler is fucking bitch. Exactly, like, yeah. like you're not supposed to you're not supposed to like Walter White. Like, yeah, you're supposed to be like, wow, look at what this dude is doing like this is not a good thing mad men also ding 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 Same yeah idea. like i love don draper he's so cool he cheats on his wife like 50 times and it breaks him inside that's the point of the show what's <laughs> wrong with you yeah. that's yeah the like understanding that your protagonists can be like i don't have a problem with these characters being unlikable i think that's a point we need to make it's fine it's not like oh they should have made them likable but like the movie doesn't it doesn't do anything beyond that. Yeah. It's just like why, yeah, it's a right. why 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 then are the warriors iconic? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Exactly. Why did we choose to follow them? Why is this movie iconic? Like what's important about this movie other than certain people said it was good because it has some cool action scenes, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the radio lady uh has a fun voice. Like that's just a cool stylistic decision. There is no meat to the fact that there's a woman on the radio and they cut to her and it's just like her mouth lit under like darkness or whatever. And she's like, all right, boppers, let's go fight now. Next up is the Baseball Furies. She's just like a, yeah. an announcer for the next scene of the movie. There isn't anything like thematically cool about that. But that yeah. often gets lauded like, as like a cool, memorable yeah. thing about the movie. Yeah, well, well, it's like I watch this and I see other directors pulling, like referencing back to like the, the bathroom fight scene is very similar to like the bathroom fight scene in like the world's end. It's like, oh, Edgar Wright must have liked this movie at some point and he made the fight scene similar. Okay. And that's like, that's all I'm taking away from it. Like, you know, it's not like, oh, this is very interesting and, and I feel enlightened. It's like, it's like, no, people like this movie and put uh, similar styles in. 
yeah. and their works. And, yeah, it, it ended up influencing a lot of things. And I, I think yeah. one of the other things that, like, I noticed specifically was, like, the DJ, the, the announcer, how mm-hmm. she was just characterized as a black woman's voice, you yep, know? Yep. And, and that happens <laughs> yep, in yep. media where, like, the black women are just treated or or all they appear as are voices and it's like like with the incredibles and there was the um guy who recently was like well we don't want to give her like a physical form because she's funnier as a voice and it's like what (laughs) yeah why can't there be like more to it and why does it have to be black women specifically i know why Mm -hmm. but you know (laughs) (laughs) you don't don't email us about that (laughs) That's actually a really yeah. good point, though. Yeah, it's ah, this movie could have been. Yeah. Old. I feel like at a certain point we just became mad at film culture, which is it's fine. fine. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Like it's it's yeah, it's the same sort of medium that heralds like Quentin Tarantino and shit. Right. So totally. I'm okay. I'm okay with taking film people down a peg when it comes to stuff we should look towards. Or look, you know, look up as the best or the greatest because they're often these declarations are often not the right people to be making these declarations, and these declarations don't even matter um, because they ignore so much of what's out there, and it's very focused on this very like Western viewpoint of society. Right. Um, It ignores so much of the you know cultural canon of just the world in general. So to say that these you like these specific types of films are important over other types of films is always an idea that I'm okay with pushing back on. Um, so for sure. Yeah. yeah I, 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 I'm really glad we got to discuss this and, and, and see like how our tastes have changed. Cause like I said, there was definitely an era where yeah. I was like, this movie's cool. I bet you it's really smart if I think about it and getting, <laughs> getting to confirm that it's not. And that like, I've seen things handle these ideas better since then is refreshing. Yeah. Like we have, we have advanced since the warriors as a, like right. film culture has advanced somewhat since the warriors better mm-hmm. movies have come out since this. For sure. And you know, I should, I feel like I should say this is that, you know, not to like rip on like film fans and stuff. Like there are always like good pockets of film culture out there, but like I'm more addressing the like dominant narrative of you know when you when you google great films important films you'll get like pulp fiction and fight club and reservoir dogs and stuff like that and i'm very much against uh just pushing back on those structures that deem importance and not not to talk down on like people who are genuine film critics and fans who have a larger scope than just that so well, it seems like with media like that, um, sometimes I find things uh, to be edgy, um, but like not for any overarching purpose. It's just to be like, look at how look at how gory this is. Look at how nasty this is. Look at how like offensive this is. Isn't that offensive? Mm-hmm. And it's like that's all that it has to offer. Yeah, it is offensive. Um, now what? Like, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and like some of that, some of that is like some of that is like uh, the like film codes in like the early like fifties and stuff that were like generally like disbanded as films got more graphic and it's important that way. But also, right. I don't need to watch Reservoir Dogs. It's fine. 
Yeah. The ear, I get it. Yeah. But yeah, violence has a weird, like, context in, like, film history when we talk about censorship of, or not even, like, censorship, but, like, the limitations on what was acceptable to show during, like, certain times. And I, 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 I get it, but also when we talk about that in the context of, I don't know, The Dark Knight being a good movie, then it doesn't really matter that much. Right. But, yeah. Right. The, I would bet you the people who put The Warriors on, like, top 50 best films of all times list uh, are also putting The Dark Knight on there. Like, most definitely. Um, the IMDb, like, top 250 is a good example of the stuff that we're talking about, where it's just full of those, like, movies made by dudes to appease to dudes. Yeah. yeah. Again, it's just just a matter of cultural canon. Not not to say if you like these movies, you're bad. Not. and But, like, the cultural canon, like, favors a specific type of movie, and sometimes, I like, it's kind of exhausting to always have to view films like when we when we are in our own circles and we're you know talking about whatever we watch here on fireside friends whether it's like an anime or something that's outside of the cultural canon like showing this like i know people who subscribe to like oh you know dc movies are legitimately great and don't like don't engage with like the politics of that stuff um it's more just like going against the more like mainstream like cultural canon yeah not to say that the individual movies themselves are not, not like always bad but like the way that as a collective these like films and the people who make them get lifted up in spaces is t- toxic so the can yeah. i drop real quickly the top 10 movies on imdb right now sure top- oh can i guess can yeah I guess? guess go ahead all right dark knight fight club um um uh, Clockwork Orange. Yeah, probably. Clock- I haven't seen Clockwork Orange. It's actually all right. It's it's uh, the violence yeah. a little bit much. Well, there's, there's probably a Kubrick on there for sure. It's like the concept yeah. is like the hyper uh, right. violence thing. I actually met uh, Malcolm McDowell, and he asked me what I thought of it, and I was like, I actually couldn't watch it because it was a little too much and maybe very uncomfortable. And he was like, he like leaned in to me. It was like it's supposed to. So. <laughs> <laughs> he just mansplained this own movie to you. I know. Wow, it's wow. <laughs> oh, we... so good. Um, y- yubba dubba dub dub. Oh. More like it. Oh my lord. Um, number one, Shawshank Redemption. Okay, all right, it's all right. Uh, number two, Godfather. Number three, The Godfather Part Two. Okay. Hell yeah. <laughs> Number four, Dark Knight. Five, Twelve Angry Men. Literally, like literally, dude. Uh, number six, Schindler's List. It's the sad Steven Spielberg movie. Uh, number seven, Return of the King. Uh, people like Lord of the Rings. That movie's sure. very old now. Uh, eight, Pulp Fiction. Nine, uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And ten, uh, Fight Club. Well, Ooh. there we go. No surprise. There's some good movies there. Yeah, I'd say I enjoy the movies on that list. For sure. Some of them. <coughs> yeah. Cultural canon. It's a thing. It's a thing. All right. Should we wrap it up? Put a bow on it. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. Let's do some plug-in. Next month, we are reading a webcomic called Goodbye the Halos by Valerie Holla. You can find it at goodbyethehalos.com. 
Um, we're gonna be we're gonna try to read all of it because it's one chapter and it doesn't seem too long, and we have a month. So uh, I've been reading to read this. It, it seems super cute and fun from what I've read so far, and deals with like trans stuff and queer stuff. Um, so I'm super, and I love the art style. So I'm super excited to read this one. Uh, yeah. Alan. Hello. Plug. I'm going to plug my shit. First off, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at Alan Ibrahim on there. That's spelled A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. And you can listen to my silly voice on two other podcasts. One is Chats, a television podcast, which we mentioned earlier. That's found wherever you listen to podcasts, and it's where my friend Majan and I discuss uh, television shows. We've been doing it for a while now, and we're pretty good at it, I like to think. We just had Ryan on recently. You should listen yeah, to that. If you liked, if you like discussion about politics and how it plays in the media, uh, the episode of Chats we recorded uh, has a lot of that, and I really enjoyed being on it. It's super good, and you brought a lot of good points to it, and I love that episode. Uh, that's coming out soon. I am also on The Garnet Wager, which is a sillier podcast that I host with my other friend Six, where we watch the criminally underrated Korean game show, The Genius, and uh, we discuss it while also playing games against each other and winning fabulous prizes. <laughs> nice. That's what I got. Katie, plugs. Okay, so you can find me uh, on every platform pretty much. At Cedar Grave, that is like my all-encompassing name. So um, that's Twitter, you know, DeviantArt, where I upload all my art. Instagram specifically, where I also upload all my art. Um, so yeah, just find me there. Uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Ryan Persaud MC. That's R-Y-A-N-P-E-R-S-A-U-D-M-C. That's sort of my like official like work like p- public facing account nowadays, um, and uh, I guess another thing I'll plug since it's already on Twitter uh, in about a month or so, uh, me and my partner Jen is going to be starting a Saturday morning cartoon podcast where we watch dumb cartoons and talk about them every week. Uh, it's going to be called Operation Serial. Um, there's a preview up on my Twitter account that I just mentioned if you want to hear like the intro that we're going with. Um, but it's going to be very dumb and fun. We're going to wait till I'm, after I'm done with the semester to actually launch it. But uh, by the time the next episode of this podcast rolls around, it should be up and running. Um, and so, yeah, very much looking forward to doing that. It's going to be really dumb fun. Um, and then you can find the Twitter for this podcast at podcast fireside. If you want to send questions or comments, you can do so at questions at firesidefriends.net. Um, and I think that's it. Rate us on Google iTunes, Google play iTunes, Stitcher, whatever. Uh, it'll help with the views and such. And, uh, also this podcast is hosted on the abnormal mapping podcast network. Check out the shows on the abnormal mapping podcast. Check out the shows on the abnormal mapping podcast network which include abnormal mapping a games cast novel not new a visual novel cast seven officer slog a star trek cast etc go check out those shows they support the they host us so you should check them out uh firesidefriends.net is where you can find the website and you can see uh, all the other podcasts there as well that's gonna do it for this podcast thanks so much no, let me try to try Thanks so again. much. <laughs> Bye. That's Thanks for stopping. <laughs> Bye. Thanks everybody for listening. 
Good luck out there and don't forget to take care of yourselves. We'll see you all later. Bye! Bye! Thanks for stopping by. Thanks for stopping by. Bye. Bye.